0: The number two seed has been locked up by the Boston Celtics and we now look ahead to the playoffs, but not before looking back on the regular season. That was all of that next on First to the Floor.
1: He's going to be first to the floor here, and it was Marcus Smart as he usually is. The round drive, scooping up on the glass. It's not the first round we've seen a superstar
2: of Manny
0: White start to fight in body. Going in, knocked away. Welcome into another episode of First to the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Uh, before we get to who we're not joined by, we are joined by Mr. <laughs> Wayne Spudie. Spudie, how you doing, sir?
2: I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. You know, locked up the two seed. We get to see a couple games of JD Davison running yes. the offense. I'm looking forward
0: to it. And of course, hot take, Jake Eisenberg. JK, Jake, doing so. Welcome back.
1: All right, doing good. Played like two hours of full court pickup yesterday and oh, I am, man. I am sore. I'm, <laughs> I need, I'm, I'm questionable with soreness going into tomorrow. The Horford, lower back <laughs> yeah. soreness. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Are you in like ice bath territory yet after two hours of pickup or are you not, not quite that old? Cause I had myself an ice bath the other day and I, I felt the oh. benefits immediately.
1: Oh. oh, I was like seven minutes followed by three beers and fried chicken. That's where I'm at. So That's, where at. That's the recovery process. <laughs> Great. Yeah, yeah.
0: We'll have to let the Celtics medical staff know that that's a valid <laughs> technique. So, uh, NBC Sports' Max Letterman was supposed to be joining us on this pod. Uh, he may still join us on this pod. The invitation is uh, very much in his Twitter DMs, hopefully awaiting <laughs> his clicking on this, uh anytime soon. Uh, in the meantime, we are just going to soldier on here, call an audible, uh, if you will, to borrow a non-NBA sporting term. <laughs> uh, guys, let's just take a moment. This, the regular season is... Practically wrapped up at this point. We've got two, potentially the two most exciting games of the season with JD Davison at the helm with the Jays for the final two games there against the Raptors and the Hawks. In the meantime, Spoonie, has this season met your expectations going forward or going in?
2: I always kind of expected us to land around mid 50s wins. Um, it's frustrating when you're in the moment watching us collapse, you know, lose to the Rockets or something like that. But overall, this is about the regular season that I expected, right? Like you don't want these guys going a hundred percent every game, even though when you're watching the game, it is so incredibly frustrating watching them, you know, miss out on rebounds, not to get to every loose ball. Um, you know, there's a, there was a lot more drama to start the year than anybody expected last summer. Um, you know, with with the Yudoka stuff and then everybody's hype for Galinari. We're playing the Danilo Galinari, oh, you know, dude. highlights and stuff like that. And then, you know, he's obviously not played a minute. And people have been in and out of the lineup way more than last year, definitely more than the second half of the season last year. So Overall, I think you take all that into account, and the East is really good. I mean, there's like even the Magic aren't even going to make the play in. They're a solid Uh, team, man. Um, So I think, given all that, Missoula taking over like a day before training camp started, um, I'm pretty happy with the regular season overall.
1: Yeah, look, when I predicted 62 wins, that was before (laughs) our coach was our coach then. Our our coach turned into the horniest man alive before <laughs> Gallinari tore his ACL and before I knew Rob was the only going to play 35 games. So, like, if those three things, I if I would have known that, you know, maybe I would have said 55 or 56 wins. It's a pretty good yeah. year.
0: It's kind of a loosey-goosey question as far as, like, okay, well, uh, as far as your expectations going into the season, like, from which, like, week or day prior to the season are we snapshotting those expectations? Because in the, like, two weeks prior, the shit really hit the fan on so many fronts with the Gallo injury and, like you said, Spoonia, the Adoka uh, horniness situation as well. (laughs) Um, So, like, after all of that, my expectations did plummet a little bit, and rightfully so. We didn't know much about Joe Mazzulla other than he was the paddle guy. Um, and you know was a favorite of Brad Stevens and had been around the organization for for quite a while. And was freaking out. Yeah, yeah, of <laughs> course, as I tend to do. So <laughs> at that point, expectations were lower, and I wasn't necessarily thinking, okay, like straight back to the finals, like I was a few weeks prior to that when Udoka was still the coach. Um, and yet now, having been through the up and downs of the season and the twenty-one and five start or wherever it was, where I was like, okay, championship time, let's go. Then the massive plummet, sort of the the. The meat in the middle of this regular season sandwich was uh, uh, spoiled, if you will. It was not not a tasty uh, portion <laughs> of the sandwich. And now we're back. We're back out to the crispy, fluffy, doughy bread, and, and things are things are mm. looking good again. I, I apologize uh, immediately <laughs> after using that analogy. Um, so expectations really have been wavering, and I suppose throughout all of that, they've just come back to settle at where they were going into into the regular season, where we we're basically about as good as I thought and hoped that we would be. What about player wise, Jake? Have any players either drastically exceeded or fallen short of your expectations going into the season?
1: I maybe I'll start positive, I guess. Um Derek White, come mm. on. Like we knew he was good. Of course.
2: Come of course on. you start with Derek. The of <laughs>
1: if if you were to tell us before the season that Derek White was gonna shoot 39 or 38% from three, we'd be like, Oh, maybe maybe they will win sixty two games. Like he's been Unreal. And last night so again, he's he's he he might not crack eighty games because he might miss these last two. But I think he's at like seventy eight or seventy nine games. Like he's Iron Man, bleeding nose, like point guard coming off the bench. Like he carried us for throughout that smart stretch when Smart was out, dropping like twenty, had like six threes or seven threes against the Hornets in the game. Me and Ben watched together. Like I think D White, he's he's. I'm pretty sure he's going to make at least an all-defense team. He should make first team all defense. You add like the already incredible defense plus how much better he's been on the offensive side of the ball compared to like the trade deadline and on last year. I think for me, shocking the mistress.
2: Yeah, if I if I'm going to go who's exceeded expectations, so I, I just wrote uh, about him for Celtics yeah, Blog. Let's go. Go check it out. You know, from Lob City to Job City. I think it's Blake Griffin. He's only played in like 38, 39 games, but every time we've called on Blake, right? We uh we knew going into this season, Rob was gonna miss a significant amount of the start of the season, and he's missed way more than that. Right. Like he came back. He's been out again in and out all season long. And Al's 36 years old. Um, You know, as me and Ben are 36 year old men, we know how it is when your body is trying to play basketball or do anything athletic (laughs) at 36 years old. It's very difficult. Right. So, you know, we were all concerned. I, I think Luke's done okay, but Blake has has just been great. Like the assist percentage for the team goes way up when Blake's on the court. The defensive rating goes way down, which is a good thing. Um, The turnover percentage goes down when Blake's on the court. He's leading the team in charges. He's leading the team in charges per 36 minutes, and it's not close. Um, So I think for me, it's like we were really worried about what that third center spot's going to look like. And, you know, Luke's done his job. I think Luke slightly exceeded expectations. But Blake, I just thought he was going to be a vibes guy. 14th man, maybe going to see the floor in blowouts. But he has legitimately played a real role shooting 39 percent from three and starts like that. Yeah, that's crazy, <laughs> that man. it's Like That is really, really good. He's got his best defensive rebounding percentage since his second year what? in the league. That's wild. His, yeah. <laughs> and, and his best offensive rebounding percentage since he was in L.A., I mean, he's, what more could we ask from that dude?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's been talked about a lot by the players on the team as well, but just the the adjustment to this role and not just, that's not just singling out this year on the Celtics for Blake Griffin, but later in his career, certainly last year alongside Paddy Mills on the Nets as well, completely adjusting his approach to the game and the, his approach to his role on a team. And just how necessary that sort of veteran leadership is, excuse me, coming from a guy who once was top five in MVP voting, that clearly um, boosts the morale of everyone else on the team who's maybe in the the earlier portion of their NBA career, showing that you know a, a guy like that can can make that adjustment to their approach. Those two, so Blake Griffin, Derek White, definitely the the two marquee players on the all exceeded expectations Celtics team. I'll introduce a couple of other ideas. Malcolm Brogdon, I think, is probably the next one, and it's it's a little bit more subtle because obviously we had high expectations after acquiring Malcolm Brogdon, but I think, and this is a testament to the Celtics medical team as well, that the, the health that he's been able to maintain, touch wood, hands in the air, this is the same space, <laughs> no jinxes here. Yeah, touch wood. <laughs> that's been fantastic, just the way that that's being managed throughout the organization, and we're really now starting to see this ramp up from Brogdon and his contributions off the bench in that six-man role have been absolutely incredible. And when we're talking, you know, off air before going live, guys, like, you know, we could do a pod on like the all what we didn't have last year team and Malcolm Brogdon might be like the starting, you know, the, the, the most important entity within that team just because of how much it gives us as far as dribble penetration, some of that veteran leadership as well. He's an excellent defender for the most part. Um, and certainly he has wrapped up his his team defense as well as, as being a Celtic. Um, his tenure on the Celtics has increased as well. So Malcolm Brogdon, I think, has just exceeded my expectations. The other one, maybe this is a little bit more debatable, but Jalen Brown, I just think that he is mm-hmm. arguably like up there with Tatum as far as his, at least his status in the league, maybe not outside of Celtics fans, but I think we're all in a space now where we'd be very comfortable... Him making all NBA and us offering him the Supermax, I think there are less detractors of that concept than there are promoters at this point. And like a year ago, if I'd said we're going to throw, you know, 230 mil or whatever it is at Jalen Brown, there'd be, it'd at least be 50 50 in terms of people agreeing and disagreeing with that. And I think he has just elevated his game to such a degree. And we saw it the underwater workouts prior to the <laughs> season. He's really got himself in like tip top shape. He's producing ripped. on the court. He's absolutely jacked. And I just think, yeah, he's exceeded my expectations in that sense as well. Do you agree or disagree with that Spoons?
2: Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what to expect with Jalen ever because <laughs> I always feel like, oh, how can he get better than this? And then he does, right? And he does it in ways I don't anticipate because I feel like the playmaking to turnover ratio is... Not low-hanging fruit because that's probably the hardest thing for anyone to get better at in the NBA. Um, so you think, well, if he just figures that out, man, he's going to jump to a different level. But instead, he just keeps getting more efficient, more efficient, more deadly, better at scoring. His mid-range game is absolutely unstoppable. And I think the biggest thing for Jalen this year this is the best defensive season of his career. When's Uh the last time he's gotten back cut? Like that used to be a every game. He's doing the back cutting now. Yeah. Now he's, he's (laughs) like, Oh, I used to get back cut all the time. I'll just do that. Like, I mean, can you guys remember a time recently where there's been one of those really bad back cuts? They're not as embarrassed.
1: They're not as bad. They're definitely not as bad. There was maybe one yesterday that I could just see you at the camera. the, The mic picked up like, Shit, and it was Jalen. Yeah, <laughs> but I, look, it Low may have been the mask. Game. Yeah, but I think for me, I'm not sure he's exceeding expectations. Just because, like, I kind of expected him to get better again. Maybe I wasn't sure in what way, but I think at this point, you, I would be more surprised if Jalen doesn't end next season better again. Just mm-hmm. because, like, that's kind of what he does. And for for players that are 26 years old, that are like. Committed to the nth degree to getting better is that's just kind of, kind of what happens. By that being said, like this last jump, post All Star break jump, that's probably exceeded my expectations. Like before that, we were already like, okay, he's gotten better again. Great, love Jalen. You know, best number two in the NBA. Um, But I was looking today, last fifteen games, he's shooting seventy five percent in the restricted area. Like he's just, he's unstoppable right now. Like yeah, that's Like no one can no one can stop him. And like as the season goes on, he seems to be getting stronger and stronger, like those underwater workouts. You said, Ben, pain off.
0: Yeah, I gotta get myself in the pool. Um, somehow. <laughs> I don't see it happening. <laughs> what about falling short of expectations? And I might just get ahead of this, guys, if you don't mind. mind. And apologies in advance to the Grant stands out there. We we love Grant Williams. I've just, you know, buried the lead here, but um he has fallen short of expectations, I would say. And we're we're getting head nods around the room here as I I say that. Um, And it's really just, it speaks to how high our expectations were of him, just because of how well he was doing in the playoffs last year, how good he looked even early on this season where like his pump fakes and his timing on that seemed to produce a lot more than they are now. And now he's way too in his head and he's way too discombobulated about when to use his newly learned moves and how to... um, Yeah, most efficiently uh, create out of them, and unfortunately, he's just getting himself stuck and maybe overthinking um, when to do what on the court. What do you think, Jake?
1: Oh man, Grant's in a bad place right now. (laughs) Grant's in a bad place right now. I think it's definitely salvageable. He's still a young player. I think he needs like an off season to reset. I think I don't know how. You kind of fix this going into the playoffs. Um, and this is going to be a chicken or an egg thing. Did he maybe lose confidence because he wasn't getting minutes to, or like, you know, was that always, he was playing bad. So you have to bench him when that was supposed to motivate you to to play better. But um, yeah, the two missed free throws, air ball to three, the defense has been pretty substantially worse than last season. Overall. It, yeah. Bummer just kind of a bummer from Grant. I think it's salvageable. I think he can be he can definitely come back, but like if he's not hitting threes and not defending at a high level then like he can't play really.
2: These these are the ebbs and flows of a young role player, yeah. I feel like. You know what I mean? He proved that he can hit threes at a high clip. So now teams are closing out on him and now he's got to figure out once teams are closing out on me, what the hell do I do next? And we are just watching him stumble through that. It's been hard to watch at times. Absolutely. But then also like he had a nice little Euro he step did. the other night. I mean, it was pretty filth That was filthy. Right. Um, there's been so moments there- for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And th- there's a lot there with Grant. I'm not giving up on Grant no. yet. I hope we bring him back. I think there's a, a lot he can improve on. And I think he knows that better than just about anybody. But yeah, you guys are right. Like he is absolutely in his head right yeah. now. Um, to the point where he's not firing open shots when he should. And that's the worst thing you can do. Um, you know, if we play the Bucs and the Bucks try to game seven defend him where he's just sitting by himself in the corner, I think we're going to be fine. I think Grant will do it again and he will absolutely snipe all game. But it's these hard closeouts that he just doesn't quite know what to do with when he's playing five on four, um, that he's got a lot to learn there. And that's okay. He's young he'll figure it out but um he's definitely this has not been the season we all hope for for Grant and probably for himself
1: for the Celtics though you it could be good timing like let's just say he had his season that he had last year this year and then he's a restricted free agent he probably gets closer to that 18 million 20 million range but now he It's going to be, I'd be surprised if he gets anywhere close to 15. And so you get him back on that lower number and then he returns to that form. All of a sudden, we've got another Brad Brad Stevens masterclass on our hands. So, you know.
0: I just think the playoffs are so drastically altering of what that extension conversation looks like. Like, we can't even really, even though we've been having it all year, like we can't, we have to sort of pause it now and wait and see what happens in the playoffs with as far as Grant's concerned before we continue that conversation. Jake, do you think that Grant's lost his rotation spot to Blake or Hauser or, dare I say, Muscala, like, as far as, like, Joe's trust in
1: Grant? <laughs> well, that's why, like, I don't know if we do have to wait for the playoffs to see what this contract situation turns into because I think, like, Blake is taking his spot right now because right now there isn't 20, 25 minutes available for Grant. Like, they, they're kind of just a different team than last year's team going into the playoffs. It was like... They kind of had to play Grant thirty five minutes because the you know the rotation we like Rob was half was like there half the time there was no Progden like the team was was just different Hauser wasn't there Blake wasn't there and Blake man Blake play like he was the best defender against Embiid that's not saying a lot the other night because by like he got one of the maybe the only stop on Embiid swipe wow. down on him um, but he's kind of shown that he can do that and what's weird about grant right now why are we loving blake yes we like it when he can make a shot um but like he is like the epitome of tommy points first to the floor at the moment like offensive rebounds it's like grant if you're missing shots that's fine just balls to the walls effort energy like complete grit and that will kind of like open up the rest of your game for you and we're just not seeing any of that all we're seeing is like him in his head and him complaining to the ref and right now Blake is just so much more reliable he's he was already a better decision maker on offense like you saw that clip we played earlier the um the fake Jalen handoff and then backdoor cut like doing his best maestro Marcus impression like Grant wishes he could do that right now and I I went down and play Griffin rabbit hole today and uh but like he was really good um against the Giannis in the, in the net series. He's been like pretty proven in the playoffs. He's just like a very retro veteran player and a dude that has this experience versus grant. We have like a, a pretty awesome sample, but like really one series of him being awesome in the playoffs ball through the wall, baby. <laughs> Are you Landon?
0: That's on the cutting room floor as far as names for this <laughs> podcast. It didn't make it to the final cut. <laughs> so sorry, Spoonie, I cut you off.
2: No, 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 no. I, I was just going to say, yeah, like, I think it's probably a good thing we have different options with Blake. But Mike Muscala is not better than Grant right now. Mm. I'm sorry. That dude cannot defend. <laughs> he cannot.
1: But he can rebound. I, yeah, fair. And fair. Grant can't That's rebound fair. either right now.
2: Yeah. It's killing me. Grant- Grant needs to stop yelling at the refs, it's Jake. He so brought it up, it's dude. So it is so bad. When I was at the Sixers Celtics game, the game we won in Philly, like every single stoppage, Grant went up to the refs, like every single one, to the point where it. I was like in my seat, like stop yelling at the refs, dude. You are not good enough to do that. Nobody is. I mean, that is like reserved for like the Chris Pauls of yeah. the world who've been in the league for you know, 15 plus years. I mean, I don't, I I just don't get it. And it's not helping him
1: at all.
0: Yeah. Grant stopping complaining to the refs is the equivalent of paint touches opening up our our (laughs) three-point offense. Like one requires the other. And if Grant can can take that out of his game and his approach, then things are going to get better for him and for the team overall. We mentioned, I think it was you, Jake, the first to the floor mentality a second ago. We've got to check out and, and give praise and flowers to Sam Houser, who had his own little first-of-the-floor moment against yes. the Raptors yesterday.
2: Strong oh, on Jace is and his, his getting in there. Oh, good play. Oh, yeah. He rolls Tommy it he home. Sam Houser.
1: That's amazing, dude. Like, come yeah. on. <laughs>
2: That's awesome. Look, look, we don't big up Scal much, but that was a great call, a call where he, he just to screamed Tommy Point. That yeah. was beautiful. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Now, I mean, we, we do have Jalen All-NBA on the run sheet. There was really more of a question for Max. I think we've made our, our thoughts and feelings pretty, pretty clear on that matter so far. So maybe we should pivot to six man of the year. We've seen a couple yeah. of good performances from Malcolm Brogdon to round out his season. Hopefully, he gets a nice amount of rest now for these final couple of games. Jake, like, how mad are you about Emmanuel quickly potentially stealing the six man of the year by cheating and by that, I think you mean, because you've added this to the run sheet, that he's played so many starter minutes and really juiced his numbers, it's almost unfair to, for him to be in consideration at this point.
1: Don't worry, Landon, you have not missed the Malcolm Brogdon segment. We're, we're doing another one right Here now. Come, we're baby. firing it up. This yeah. is bullshit, dude. Like, bullshit. Bullshit. Yes. So, Agreed. like, like, quickly you started 19 games. And Brogdon has started to zero. And I went through quickly his basketball reference today. His top eight scoring performances, the 40 points, 39, 38, and 55 minutes against the Celtics, all the way through his top eight, all came as a starter. And I'm sure if I went through the the rest of them, most of them would be as a starter. It's completely ridiculous that he's become like this like far and away front runner for six man of the year. Brogdon obviously on, assuming the Nuggets lose. Today, when you're resting Jokic, clinching the second best record in the NBA, by far the most reliable bench, actual bench police in the NBA, quickly averaging 14.6, Brogdon averaging 14.9, quickly on 49, 37, 81, whereas Brogdon's on 44, 48, 44% from three. Like he's one of the best three point shooters in the NBA. Like it's not, it's not close. It's not fair um, that quickly's been like given this boost just because he started like. A quarter of the season, almost. What what are we doing? I don't understand.
2: Brogdon's stats are better if you include quickly's starts. And then if you take his starts out, I mean, it is not. He's averaging like 11 points a game off the bench. Like, why is this even a conversation at this point? Like, Brogdon, more points, more rebounds, more assists. Sl- one percentage point worse on field goal percentage but his true shooting way higher I-, I do not understand like quickly okay fine defender so is brogdon so it's not like you can say well Quickly's locking everybody up and he's so crazy like that is not the argument either so i just do not understand and it has nothing to do with the fact that i stand to win a bunch of money <laughs> if malcolm brogdon wins sixth man of the year like I just do not understand how the narrative has changed so much. Is it because quickly had that huge game against? It seems like that quickly had that huge game against the Celtics when he played 55 minutes. And from then it's like, well, quickly's obviously the sixth man of the year now, but his stats are worse. And then if you exclude his starts, it's not even close. So I I just I don't understand. I really do not.
0: I think it's just because there needs to be a conversation. Like the NBA, kind of like prides itself on on propping up and then maintaining these conversations. Like who's better than who? We've seen it, you know, to a disgusting level with MVP this year. Yes. And I think quickly just yeah. exists as part of this conversation for there to be a conversation. But it, clearly, it's Malcolm Brogdon. I talked about him exceeding expectations before. I didn't even mention the three point shooting and where he gets his threes from. Sort of the above the break, top of the arc area. Less like generation and ball fizzing around for him to get those really high quality shots off. And they're going down, like we said, like an incredible uh, rate as well. So props to Brogdon. I think he will get the award. I think the conversation is just there to be had. But really, at the end of the day, I'd it's be annoying. very surprised if Emmanuel quickly got it.
2: Zach and Lowe, the man. massive betting favorite, yeah. quickly
0: is.
1: I, I
2: cashed I refuse to
1: believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got him at 13 to one and, and like Zach Lowe didn't say he was the favorite on one podcast. And I was like, yep, I'm getting out. That's that's the cell marker right there. Hmm. Like he should okay. be the favorite. Um that shot last night, like 10 1 run by the Raptors, tie game, just fuck it, pull up through Three between us. the eyes, whatever, dude. Like he's been playing so well lately in like in really big games and really big moments, dusting the bucks, dusting the sixes, you know, smart's out, Tatum's out, I'll take over, I'll go for 30. It's like, whatever, man.
0: Now, before we look ahead to the playoffs, we should just pause for a moment and quickly round the room. What are our favorite moments? I'm not sure what Landon's... Landon in the comments says, Jake's property tour continues while drinking out of an eggplant. It's very eggplant-like.
1: I have a new house as well.
2: (laughs) Amazing. Hopefully the owners don't show up while Jake's in there
0: and he gets kicked out. (laughs) The owners and Max Letterman both, hopefully. uh, Well, we want Max Letterman to show up, but... (laughs) Anyway, favorite moments of the regular season um, before we all, you know, we talked about before going on air, ramping ourselves up as far as like podcast Mm. production and content production. Before we move forward to all of that, which can be stressful at times to output at the level that we feel like we need to, let's stop. Let's look back at the regular season that was. Quick round the room as far as what your favorite moment of the season was. I think you guys know what mine is. I'm going to go last. Um, So Spoonie. I'll throw to you, what was your favorite moment off the top of your head of the regular season? My,
2: mine is very easy. I was in the building for nice. that Tatum pull-up three against the Sixers to ice the game, and then Embiid hit the full court shot. And I watched as all the Sixers fans stood up and were like, we're going to OT. And I was just screaming, he didn't get it off. <laughs> he didn't get it off. And <laughs> Embiid's like, he didn't cheer. He was just yeah. like... So, I I, like you knew he didn't, but if the roles were reversed, I would be like the Sixers fans, but I it wasn't. And then we walked out of the stadium, and all the Sixers fans were so dejected. Yes, and there was a man screaming, We'll never beat them. We'll never beat them. Fucking Tatum. Oh my god. And then I was like, That's right, fucking Tatum. Um, so that is easily for me the best moment of the season, uh, uh, amongst a, a lot of great ones. That's amazing, yeah, Jake.
1: That's that's the best. When you sent that message to the Slack channel that you'd heard the grown man yelling, "We'll never beat them," <laughs> just brought me immeasurable amounts of joy. There's, yeah, there was a lot when I was thinking about this today. I'll try. I'll try not to step on Ben's because I'm pretty sure I know Ben's as well. But I could I was thinking, you know the Milwaukee game just recently, Christmas Day against the mm. Milwaukee. but honestly, opening night, it's all coming full circle. Celtics, sixes, Tatum has like that two-way monster performance, like thirty plus, like swatting Maxi into the into the stands. It was just like, oh, they're still. There's still levels between these two teams. I know you guys had a cool off season and brought in P.J. Tucker. Uh, but yeah, Al Horford's better than P.J. Tucker. Everybody's writing off Al Horford, who's like 349 days younger than P.J. Tucker for some reason. Uh, James Harden can't get by a single player on the Celtics roster. And it's only going to get worse as the playoff season. Playoffs go on. So that, kind of, that opening night, the vibes have just kind of like... From there to now, kind of feel pretty much the same as we, like, are on a cra- collision course to play the Sixers. But, um, yeah, good times.
0: And Philly was so hyped up heading into the season as well. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of people had them as their number one pick, yeah. and uh, the Celtics just shut that down in, like, three quarters. And we were running the playback for that game, uh, the vibes. I think you used the word immeasurable. Um, absolutely to begin the season there. My favorite moment of the season. I have it right here. I have the video footage. <laughs> yeah. um, I know what this it is. It comes yeah. from early in the season and we're going to hit that right now.
1: Jalen moves to the screen, gets one from White. Now he it to White. Trolls
2: Yes!
0: Throw it up! Go to the all-time yes! You can't not love that moment. Everyone on the bench loving it. Jalen looks cool as fuck, just like, giddy and enjoying the moment, breaking out of his sort of cool stance for a second there. Like with the <laughs> facial, like the old school dunking over Kendrick Perkins facial, but doing it a little closer to the ground, but in Celtics green, uh, which is amazing. And there was a couple of other Blake moments in the season, uh, a couple of other dunks <laughs> as well.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, I'm going to run one, fuck it. Please, um, let's go. Yeah. Let's do it. Let us not forget the long road trip where we were on a back-to-back. Yes, this I've is no, going to be mine.
1: That's what so I thought Ben was gonna do. Yes, <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too yeah. Dave.
2: When uh, you know, I don't think Al or Rob played, and we yep. beat the Raptors on the road and were delivered this moment.
0: Whoa, whoa.
2: Smart. Back and big down, gives up and down to Tatum.
0: Tatum corner. Griffin. Yeah, BG. Let's, let's go. Go. Yeah, BG. <laughs> I think that was Grant too. Yeah. yeah. So, but
1: the, but that was also like in the midst of our just like levitating above the clouds as we proceeded to go to heaven. Like we just beat the Nets. <laughs> like KD, Kyrie right. Nets the night before flew up to the Raptors, and that was like that gritty comeback in the third quarter, spearheaded by Blake on the floor. And then the next game, we beat the Suns by like fifty in Phoenix, yeah. and the next day, next game, me and Ben met up to watch the Warriors game, and we're, like, talking all kinds of scary scary stuff that we'll never talk about again. Before the game started. Yeah, before <laughs> the game started.
2: Suns win ruined us. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, like,
1: that little snapshot in time where we went, like, 21-5, and five, like, oh. that was that was amazing.
0: I want to exist forever in that moment. Um, But the only reason I, I don't want to stay there is because we might be moving forward to a potential championship and I really need to yeah. see how this plays out. Can I ask you guys
2: a question? I know we have the benefit of hindsight. Are you taking the 18 straight S my D Kyrie run or that 25, 21 and five run to start this season? Oh man. So I think we were 18 and two before we lost again. Cause we lost the first two yeah. and then ripped off 18 straight.
0: Hindsight definitely does influence my feelings yeah. towards two. I, I want to say, Same. I want to say twenty-one and five, and like, feel free to correct me if you think I'm wrong. It just feels more organic. And I remember being sort of a more confused fan in that initial Kyrie stage, and there was a bit of emotional baggage there. Like, forgive me if I'm being overdramatic here, but <laughs> we we just uh, traded away Isaiah Thomas, who was like maybe one of all-time Celtics vibes lords. He was gone. We brought in Kyrie Irving. We're still trying to like get a finger on the pulse of like who Kyrie is, you know, what he means. It was before, I think, his commitment to staying long-term and uh, it was just a a bit more of a seismic landscape for the Celtics at that time. And so while it felt amazing, uh, and we did have the young Jays there as part of that squad, it just felt a little bit more organic. Uh, We had had more time to fall in love with all of the characters on the team and it just made that run a little bit more enjoyable. So that's my take. What do you think, Jake?
1: I'll I'll play the other side here, Um, but like I just the fact that it was the exceeding expectations. It was it was just you didn't expect it, and there was one game in particular. It was against the like the OKC Westbrook Paul George Thunder, and they had one like eight ish in a row, I think. And but a lot of them like there was a game against the Hornets, like they didn't feel. Like the counter were a little lucky, but they went into OKC and they like had this comeback and took down the Thunder, who were like one of the kind of West favorites at the time. And then, like that same day, I went to a music festival and I wore my Isaiah Thomas jersey, had like my Patriots beanie on. And I just met this, this dude from Boston, just like came out of the crowd and was like, dude, what are you wearing? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, what are you? That's my, that's the accent. Sorry, Spoonie. <laughs> It's okay, <laughs> and and
2: I'm like I'll forgive you,
1: and and I was like, dude, big win, and we were just, and I had met this random dude, like that had just gotten to Australia from from Boston, and we were just vibing about how this Celtics like big win, like Tatum, like best pick in the draft, like Jalen, come, like this whole thing. So that just has a a little special special memory in my heart.
2: The one downside from that 18 and two is it felt like our championship hopes died the mm. second Gordon Hayward's leg, you know, ankle snapped, right? So yeah. it was like, wow, yes. we're really good, but I don't think we can beat LeBron good. Um, whereas this year it was like we might be the best team ever. Uh, so I don't know. It's a tough. It's a tough pick. It's a very tough pick. We ended up taking LeBron to seven. So that was a great year. I don't know. I can't pick. We're gonna call it a tie. That's
0: yeah. Oh, we'll clip that. That's a really good question. Um, you can tweet that out on on socials. Uh, now just very quickly, one more thing before we move on to to looking ahead to the playoffs. Jalen Brown was awarded the Red Hourback Award. He was asked about that after the game. We're just going to run a little clip here of Jalen's post-game comments from yesterday. I think Red Arbeck
2: had a vision um, for this organization. And so many years later, to see that vision still being maintained, I think is uh, amazing and I'm grateful to be a part of it, especially when you are highlighting things that, you know, necessarily don't have to do with stats or analytics. Leadership um, on and off the floor, uh, being able to receive an award, uh, for something that you know doesn't necessarily you see some type of value for um, that has not always come up in the stat sheet, you know I, I appreciate stuff like that. You know um, I put my everything into this team. I put my everything into this city, and organization since I've been here. To so to see um, or to get that um, award,
0: um, I thought mean a lot. I was grateful. So. And I'm not saying that Jalen doesn't deserve this award because he absolutely does. I just want to make that very, very clear. <laughs> but there's, there's probably at least five guys on the team that you could appropriately give this award to and there'd be no question, no argument. But I see this a little bit as the organization pulling out all the stops, doing everything they can to, to acknowledge Jalen Brown, to recognize Jalen Brown and to show him some more love just because it has been his sort of indirect feedback Maybe back to the team, maybe back to the fan base in recent weeks. Spoonie, do you agree with that angle at all or am I just completely overthinking it?
2: I I definitely think there's something to it. Um, But also, like Jalen has been sort of... I don't think you can say other than Marcus Spart there's any player... Who has integrated himself with like the community in boston more than Jalen brown which is ironic because everyone talks like Jalen's looking for the first bus out of town the second he can um but like you see Jalen, he's on the streets man like he's in the north end like opening up his store or seaport wherever it was like he obviously cares about the city He had those quotes like two years ago like this is my city now like this is where i live this is um my spot and he just seems to be very, very involved in the community as well. So I think it's, you know, I, I definitely, you know, I'm, I'm pretty cynical then I'm with you a little bit that they're like, well, you know, stay around Jalen. Why don't you sign that extension this off season? There's definitely some of that, but, um, you know, I, you don't, I'm not saying Tatum doesn't do charity work and stuff like that, but it seems like other than smart, who is just like an angel with that type of stuff. Um, Jalen's right there with him, man in the community,
1: yeah, I think they kind of had no choice but to give it to Jalen in a way <laughs> yeah. like can you, like can you imagine like they gave it to Tatum they could have give like who would have yeah. been deserving as well, but I think two both things can be true and that Jalen could have can be like the most deserving of that award, but also be like in the context of where everything is with his contract situation, like they kind of had no choice but to make him the one that got the award but You listen to his comments and then he had that Shams interview, which was like obviously very purposeful to kind of like at least get his words with his face and everything out there off the back of the Ringer article and that other uh, New York Times article and be like, you know, where me and Tatum are part of each other's, you know, destiny at this point. I'm paraphrasing, but use the word destiny and Tatum in the same sentence. Love and that line. I was like, that's yeah. pretty awesome. And so, and this stuff definitely matters to Jalen to hear him talk about like being recognized not just for his work on the court, but for how much he values off the court and for him to be recognized for that. Um, and yeah, of course, build the, the mask JB statue like after they win the chip this season, or if they don't. And now we're getting like people in the crowd with the mask yeah. on. Like,
0: yeah,
1: come on, man.
2: Ben, are you are you just upset Blake didn't
0: win? <laughs> Partially, yes. I'll always be upset when Blake isn't recognized for the, the perfect <laughs> specimen of a human being that he is. Um, now, <laughs> thank you for asking. Quickly, a tight five on the playoffs. We are going to have Bastl Greeny on the show uh, in a week or so to preview the first round, unless he doesn't turn up. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. just a, t- a tight five before we wrap up, and excitedly we are on track to wrap this thing up like well ahead of the hour mark, which is incredibly rare for us. We'll start here. Spoonie, do the heat scare you? And we've been asking that question a lot, but I feel like our take on the heat, our wariness of the heat has been wavering quite a lot in the last couple of weeks. It feels like it's dipped a bit and that sort of universal fear of the heat is no longer there. Are you aligned with that?
2: Okay. I fancy (laughs) myself as a bit of a dude who lets the numbers like dictate what I'm thinking and my takes, right? I try to anyway. It doesn't always happen. I was afraid of the heat until Jake. I, I don't think it was last episode. Maybe it was the episode before laid the absolute all time <laughs> smackdown on the heat. It <laughs> yeah, was he basically <laughs> like there have been basically the Hornets since the all star break. So I was afraid of the heat. Um, but it just seems like Lowry is not that guy anymore. Like even from last year. He's even worse than that. And if you go and like check Heat fans' temperature on Lowry, they are so mad he is on their team. Um, as the Heat are up 20, yeah, according to sh- Landon Lakes. <laughs> as, on he started, Philly, as
1: he started talking, I was like, I better just check the score of this game. And they're up 20 on Philly and Baden Harden's playing.
2: <laughs> That's all right. So I, I was afraid of the Heat, but yeah, realistically, like, I trust Joe can at least, he's going to get out coached. Somewhat, but Yadoka got really outcoached by Spolstra last year, and we still ended up winning in seven. This is a worse heat team. I don't think Joe is going to be worse from a like chess move standpoint than Yadoka. Maybe he's a worse people motivator, but I don't think he's a worse like X's and O's coach. And that's what you need against Spolstra. These guys are going to be motivated. They know they know what's at stake. So I am no longer, thanks to Jake, a freak. <laughs> So thank you.
1: You're welcome. Yeah, they, they thank you, Landon, for the
0: score updates as well. By the sma- way, they're much appreciated. They,
1: performing the Smackdown on the Sixers right now, which you can spin positively again, like this Sixers team did. Like they have to play so well to, like Embiid has to play, and he's have he's got 15 at halftime. Guess it's not this. This rest of this team dude hard and three for ten, like two turnovers. Yeah, you're you we talked about it off mic, like the sixes and the nets, like that could that could extend a little bit. Up Landon, up 70 now. Um <laughs> The Heat have the ability, like I don't think it'll be a sweep. Like I think the Heat could like win game one and then the Celtics come back and but like they'll win. I'm not I'm not scared. Like if it goes to six, whatever, like I'm not particularly worried about like actually losing a series to the Heat. Um it's just the the ghosts. The of of mm-hmm. Bam and Jimmy and Spo, like they've d- proven enough where you, you, you're gonna have some of those feelings. Like, I'll be nervous before a heat season, uh, series starts, but objectively, they're just like not a consistently good team. Like, yes, they can pull out one game in five where they're able to take down a really good team, but the Matt, Max, Truce, Gabe, Vincent, all these guys, Tyler Heroes, food, like they just cannot match up with the Celtics' depth at this point. Um, and don't forget, we had Rob, like every second game in that series. The difference between the Celtics last year and this year is like pretty stark. Like, look, like one of their biggest issues against the heat was the turnovers thing. And they were like middle of the pack all season long when it came to turnovers going into the playoffs. And this year they're like times, they're like top five to ten in every turnover to assist um metric. And yeah, clean music lover. We all struggle against the heat. I kind of think that's a good thing. Like if we got the Nets or even if we get the Hawks there's going to be that element of the Celtics that are like that—that that thing that they always do, where they relax a little bit. I think if they do play the Heat, they will be like on razor's edge, ready for a true battle, and be like, "We've worked so fucking hard all last playoffs, all season. We cannot take these guys lightly." So I think from that perspective, that's actually a good thing. I still wish we hope we get the Hawks because they're like. So, so so squishy, which could easily happen. That's the thing with this Heat team. They could beat the Heat by 20 and then lose by 15 to the Hawks in the playing game. Like this, that's the deal with this team.
0: Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems, I guess, the most likely that we'll see the Heat, which is why they're the focus of this discussion. But certainly, like I'd prefer the the Hawks or the Raptors based on, you know, they were full strength yesterday. We just like trotted out a nothing lineup and, and barely tried and, and still won not convincingly. It was an ugly game like we were able to win an ugly game against the team who was jockeying for playing position at the moment. So uh, that sort of boosted my confidence as far as a matchup against the Raptors would be concerned. At the end of the day, I'm not particularly frightened now of any potential first round matchup, but I suppose the Heat are the ones that scare me the most of, of a group that don't scare me much at all collectively. And it's just because of those ghosts, like you mentioned, Jake, and the coaching prowess of, of Spo as well does concern me a little bit but, you know, it's I'm looking at we're looking at, like, maybe a five-game series, six-game series tops against any of those opponents. So, confidence going into round one regardless, which leads to the next question. And this is a broad one just to finish up here. Spoonie, I mean, I always hesitate to ask because, like, we're all big Celtics fanboys. Obviously, we're pretty <laughs> confident. In fact, I'm maybe the one who should be asked this question because I'm the one who's is sort of the most neurotic when it comes to the C's, like, How confident are you, broadly speaking, heading into this playoff run, given everything we've seen this season, given the level of health for the Celtics? Jake mentioned we've got so many more tools in the tool belt that we didn't have last year. We've got more experience because of that finals last last year. How confident are you in in getting back to the finals, let alone winning the finals?
2: So uh I... Look, I'm the guy who said if we lose in seven in the Easter Conference Finals, it's a successful season. So, I I mean, like, even if you're the favorite, unless you're the KD Warriors, the favorite only has like a 25, 30% chance to win the finals. And that's 538's got us at like 27% right now. I think that's about right. Like, we are the most likely team to win the finals. And I feel that way, but it's still less likely that we win like it's not as likely that we win does that make sense yeah, i just like talking there's, in like quadruple
0: there's still a negatives 73% here. chance that we don't win <laughs> right yes there's a, there's, Yeah. there's, there's a, a reason
1: we're still like plus 400 or plus 450 like that's right if that was you know minus odds then maybe we'd feel differently we'd be the KD Warriors but we're not and that's what's interesting about this season is that there isn't a team that's just like a cut above anybody else um, yeah but yeah but
0: Come on, like, let's well, step away yeah. from the numbers for a second. Like, come on. Oh, like how, We're winning the finals. Yeah. We're I've, winning the we
2: finals. Go. This <laughs> is the team, baby. We got Brogdon. <laughs> we got integrated Derek White. It's over. Rob's healthy.
1: It's over. I've never been more confident just because of how well we match up with the two biggest yes. roadblocks to the finals. And there's no one in the – we need – we need the fucking Warriors. We need the fucking Warriors to lose and not make the Please finals. Please play the Suns <laughs> in yeah, the first that? round warriors. That's literally Please. the only team that I'm afraid of. <laughs> Give me the Suns. Easy money. Like, that's not a problem to me either. It's literally, and the way that we match up against the Sixers and the Bucks, like you, you can't come out of that Sixers game feeling good. Like we just own them without without Rob those non-MB minutes where we had Luke instead of Rob. And I'm sorry, Luke, I can't I keep doing it. Rob is so fucking good. He's so, so good. <laughs> like he, B-ball Paul, Paul Reed was getting offensive rebounds and creating extra possessions, keeping those non-mbed runs to like a minimum. Rob Williams in those minutes is just going to wreck everything. He's going to destroy heart. He can switch onto Harden. He can help. He can close out to shooters and block PJ Tucker. Like, that's just not, a, not an issue for me as well. And this Bucks matchup, like now Middleton goes down with an injury yesterday. Like you don't want to see injuries, but even before that knee injury, like this Chris Middleton that went on that crazy, like MJ-esque Celtics killer run to the finals, that guy has not been around. He's gone. S- since then. Like, yeah, he can still hit contested shots defensively. That was That's more of an issue for the Bucs is that he is not, that guy anymore. He was their best wing defender. And like, they are like, yeah, bring him out, bring him out, no issues. And so, like, they don't have a single player. Drew Holiday is their best chance to guard guys one on one. And there's going to be moments, there's going to be a game or two where Jalen and Jason combine for the 10 turnovers. Like, they're not going to walk over the Bucks, but they have the matchups in like what the Bucs do well does not translate to dominating the Celtics like it does to dominating the rest of the league. It just doesn't. So I'm as confident I've been about the Celtics winning a title in the Tatum and Jalen era, and it's not particularly close. Like this team, no no healthy Rob, Derek White, borderline all-star, not even a question. Malcolm Brogdon should win fucking six-man of the year. Like they've been coasting. They have the fourth best defense in the league, and it's been so obvious in like – How many of our losses are like, they kind of just didn't try. The fact that they have the fourth best defense and they didn't really try. Al Horford, go watch the Warriors game where they won in OT. That's the dude that's just like hiding, lurking in the shadows. He's coming. He is coming for you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Vampire Al yeah. is gonna
2: get him, dude. That's like right. they they cannot. So the, the Bucks' entire defense is predicated on funneling drivers to Brooke Lopez, and they cannot do that against the Celtics. And that's like because of Al Horford. And defensively, he's one of the best Giannis defenders in the entire league. So like Al Horford is the key. As long as he stays healthy, I love our chances. Or winning number 18, dude. Yeah, let's go. <laughs>
0: Hell yeah. Let's and, and, go. And that, that's why that Bucks game was so good because it just set in yeah. stone everything that we were pretty sure was true throughout all the season, the hot start, and then all those games where they were half-assing it, the Bucks game just really confirmed everything that we suspected was true. On
1: that Bucks game, because every fucking Bucks account and every podcast like, <laughs> oh, fifth game and seven nights. Middleton didn't play the night before. Ingalls didn't play the night before. Yes. Look at who played in those five games and seven nights. Giannis played three. I think Jube maybe played two or three. They didn't they didn't play five games and seven nights. No. They were resting, as they always do. And then we ridiculous. had a
2: fifth game in seven nights. The next day and beat the Jazz. Yes, yeah. thank we're, you. Uh,
1: yeah, the Talon Horton <laughs> Chucka Jazz and the Chris Dunn Jazz, who yeah. were like really good. Okay, <laughs> apparently, and that's, and that's not a joke. It took the Lakers a lot time. Yes, yeah, overtime, that's well. yeah. It's a really that's good, good point. Love the confidence, guys.
0: So glad I asked and so glad we're wrapping up on that. That is going to do (laughs) it for this one. Like I said, we are going to continue the the playoff forecasting conversation in the next week or so while the play-in situation sorts itself out. So more to come there. We will have Barstool Greeny coming on the pod in a week to talk about that first-round matchup, which looks like it may very well be the heat. Thank you so much for joining us either here live on YouTube or later watching the podcast. This is the portion where I meant to thank Max Letterman for coming on the show. Hopefully we can (laughs) reschedule there. We'll be back with another pod early next week. Spoonie, Jake, love your work, guys. Until next time, go Celtics.